This show is brought to you by Growth Australia, market leaders in designing and creating workplaces. Welcome to Let's Talk Growth, Brisbane's number one people and property podcast. Join our fantastic guests to talk about innovation, marketing ideas, and technology that you can apply to your business to facilitate growth. Hi, my name is Daniel Boys, and I'm the host of Let's Talk Growth. On today's episode of Let's Talk Growth, I'm joined by the powerhouse in-house design team from Growth Australia. It's going to be great. We're discussing all things workplace design, strategy, the process, what to look for, what to do, what not to do. Beer taps get a mention. A golf sim gets a mention. Stay tuned. Listeners, viewers, we are... Gil, we still have filming caper. We do. We're filming as well. Brilliant. (laughs) I've got a treat for you today. I am joined by not one, not two, but three powerhouse designers from the team at Growth Australia. (laughs) The crowd's gone wild. We've got Cecile Portion, Victoria Jedrisco, and Megan Rigdon. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hi, Boise. How are we uh, feeling today? Are we well? Feeling pretty good. Are we feeling creative? Absolutely. Yeah. Innovative. Easy for you to say. (laughs) Brilliant. This is a bit of an introduction to the team as well. What I will do is quickly set the scene that I'm not going to take up too much more airtime. I'm going to throw to the specialists. We want to talk about all things in-house design at growth. What does that mean? What are the benefits for our clients? We then want to touch on some topics around layouts through COVID, what a lot of our clients' expectations are, what are some hang-ups that people get with design, what are some things that people really should be considering, and then a little bit about how our process ties in with that. Nice and conversational, and we are looking forward to sharing this content with you. Cecile Portion, please could you tell us a little bit, tell the audience about your personal style, what excites you about the commercial interior space, color palettes, those types of things? Well, Dan, I think it's important through commercial workspaces that each space looks to really achieve the company's values as well as working towards achieving their cultural aspirations. And I really enjoy doing this through integrating branding throughout their space, really relating to corporate colours, bringing some of these subtly into the space through materiality, as well as a really tailored brief and a variety of spaces that really look to work towards their cultural aspirations. And you are doing a bit of a house reno at the moment. Yes, so I am, I am. Is that a instance where it's your day job? So when you go home, design goes out the window and it's just whatever fits or does some of what you like to do in your own house, does that filter through to the design as well? Yeah, I definitely think so. So I do tend to gravitate towards more of your natural finishes, your raw earthy sort of tones and really sort of bring in that resi aspect mm. into the workplace environment. I think that's really becoming quite popular at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And then Megan, on the opposite side, you have relocated to Brisbane from mm. Sydney. Yes. Uh, not too long ago, about 18 months yes, ago. Yes, correct. And so have you brought some of that Sydney flair to Bris Vegas? What is your personal style? Um, I'd say so. I guess for me, I start with detail. So I like to understand the client's brief, specifically what 
what issues are they having with the space currently, fully understand that before I start exploring um, concept imagery, different finishes and things like that. So yep. I think... So um, it's a collaboration with the client as opposed to absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think we always end up with a different outcome by going about it that way. Yeah, fantastic. And Tori, your designs are fantastic <laughs> and very creative. Tell us uh, the French wash... <laughs> Is prevalent in a lot of designs I've seen, which I has been very popular. Wash. For those that don't know what a French wash is, I might link a picture to the podcast for your benefit. It's fantastic. Tell us about your style. Where do your inspirations come from? I think like my inspirations come from everyday life. Like I could be doing something, I could be walking through a city, I could be seeing something and seeing like a tiny little detail of how they maybe like finish a window frame or they finish something like that, that I'm sort of like, oh the copper that they brought in with that dark stone. Like, I really like that. I'll try and use that in my next job. Like, <laughs> it's pretty simple in that way. So, it's but very organic. So, it's yeah. a, it's sort of a natural process that you go through and you draw inspiration from that. Yeah. And I think, like Seth said, a lot of our inspiration comes from, like, natural sort of, like, design and the finishes and things like that. So, I really do like to keep it quite neutral in that way and then focus on bringing in the detail in the signage. I love signage. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I love putting like little meeting room signs, having a really nice sort of like unique touch points that really sort of heighten the brand in the space. Um, and I think that's just like a standoffish thing. And I guess I get to achieve that in a lot of like our end user jobs compared to say spec suites, but we still like to be a bit creative with the spec suites. Yeah. And I suppose signage and company signage branding is something that really makes the space the client's own as well. So it feels very bespoke and it really gives it their identity. So exciting. We're off to a strong start. Now that you've met the team, listeners, I do want to set the scene and talk about the value proposition at Growth, how we've come to have an in-house design team because it, it was very it was a bit of an epiphany for us probably 18 months ago where we partnered with some really talented, brilliant external designers, um, which was brilliant. Through COVID, we noticed that there was a bit of a bit of a change needed from our side on the value that we offered to our clients and trying to work with them a lot earlier in the piece and really taking them on that design journey. So that in-house expertise has provided, has been invaluable to assisting us really offer clients that service of what do we need, why do we need it, how we're using it and what's really the right fit for them. So I want to touch on that a little bit and if we go straight into the last two years, the impact that working from home potentially has had on layouts and design specifically. Megan, is there a couple of things that you have seen change in the industry over the last two years? Absolutely. I find client briefs are all very different now. Um, they follow less of a pattern. So, for example, a client might have all their staff currently working at home and they want them all to come back into the office. So we need to focus on workplace culture, making it a really inviting environment to come back to. What are the perks that are going to bring people back? Other clients, as an example, want to retain some form of work-life balance. So the, they might have a schedule, two days at home, three days in the office, and we need to double up on infrastructure. How can we make the most of what we're spending by providing multi-use rooms, multi-use mm. furniture? Mm. How do we juggle both of those priorities? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because, Sess, we're not really seeing clients take too much less space. So even though they've got a hybrid model where they might have a split workforce and some flexibility, they're not really taking less office space because they're still maximizing those areas. 
how have you seen technology develop in the office space and how is that being embraced by our clients? Yeah, I definitely think if COVID taught us anything in the workplace, it's that technology is vital and it's becoming more and more popular with the hybrid. And we're definitely seeing streamlined tech as a necessity throughout workplaces and seeing a lot more variety of meeting rooms that do have tech capabilities throughout them. So definitely becoming more important. We're seeing a lot more of a focus towards event spaces, large kitchen and breakouts, really giving back to staff and increasing the sort of high quality level of amenities throughout the office. And once again, tech is just prevalent throughout all of these spaces. And then Tori, just on the, so tech's one piece, when we look at activating shared spaces in the office so breakouts collaboration spaces what's important to consider for clients when they're thinking about those areas in their floor plan I guess like I like to think about the style of the company and who they are like if they're a maybe say a mining company or an engineering company they might have a bit of a division in the workforce so the idea of creating a space that's sort of like a neutral meeting ground for them I think is really great we also look at like through our styling I guess ways that we can integrate fun games and stuff and I think that that's like a really important element to sort of heighten like the culture in the space so they know that they can sort of sit around hang around together some companies have a importance on snacking and doing things like that so having like something that's Uh, guilty (laughs) i love a snack you'll be surprised to know so i guess through maybe some really nice sort of like integrated fridges having sort of like unique things that sort of keep the design style looking simple so you haven't got these sort of large open areas where you can see the mess that people leave because you know we're all guilty of it sometimes we're there late at the office at night and we're like oh my gosh my plates are piling up on my desk so I think (laughs) maybe it's just me but I think looking at the way that we can sort of create like a space that's clean and simple maybe the appliances are hidden maybe in that way it's sort of can make a space feel clean and that yeah. also really helps with like the mindfulness and like the well-being of the space you're not feeling like it's all cluttered and gross and oh I don't really want to go to the kitchen because there's all these like cups and things in the sink whereas we have like dishwashers and things we do like to integrate to sort of help with that <laughs> absolutely and I think our office space is a great indicator of I would say the modern office or how everything's moving and that was one of your first assignments Megan was mm. to design our office space no pressure <laughs> but nailed it the kitchen breakout for us is what draws me to come in every day. Yep. Is I know there's going to be three or four other people. There's going to be those bump meetings. There's going to be some innovative ideas going on. None of them from me usually, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> I can ride the coattails of the team, which is great. And you just know it, it sets the atmosphere. And we use that breakout a lot. I remember in our previous office building, everyone would go out for lunch. Whereas now everyone goes out but brings their lunch back because they know there's going to be 10 to 20 people sitting around the table. And that's often where a lot of those collaborations and and meetings happen quite organically. Brilliant. So I think that gives a really good overview to everyone of the current state of play, some things that our clients are really asking us. I'm really interested in those initial steps. So if someone wanted to reach out, if someone's not sure about how much space they need, what their footprint should be, what role the office should play... If they were to come and talk to us at Growth, where would we start that journey with them and how would we move through that to a fully fitted office space? 
So we do something a little bit different called a ghost plan. A ghost plan is essentially we would take our client's brief, work through their exact needs or what they think they might need. We can work through the details of how many staff are in however many days of the week, what roles do they have. We can then lay out that specific, I guess, dream brief on a rectangle. Rectangle could be a thousand square meters. We lay it out and then we can apply that to different real life sites. Mm. And usually we get consistency in achieving that brief. Mm. So that rectangle is almost a, this is the utopian office space based on the brief you've told us. And it would give the client an opportunity to see how different teams interact with each other, proximity to shared services, those types of things. And how do clients respond to that? Is that, uh, is I imagine that drive some really great conversation. They get a lot of clarity out of that process rather than going straight to different spaces. We narrow it down pretty much straight away to one or two options. Yeah, fantastic. And then Tori, the next evolution. So I've got my ghost test fit. I've got a short list of properties. What's then the next steps of building out that brief a little bit further? How do we really get into the detail? I think we really like to look at sort of overlaying that ghost plan into the buildings so we can sort of see how that all lays out and it might be that oh okay we don't quite like the flow of this space because it's all centered around a core like a core sort of of the building which means that the workforce might be divided and that's not something that they want to achieve it also I guess comes down to I guess maybe like the way that they want the flow of the work to go if they've got more sort of like offices and they want to integrate the putting like more of the higher people in those offices then they might people say that these days everyone's equal Tori (laughs) we do like to sort of have our sort of say in terms of putting I guess the offices maybe around that core so we are Mm. utilizing the natural light in the space absolutely and for listeners who may not know when we talk about a central core building that's where your lifts your bathrooms and your amenities are essentially in the middle of the floor plate and you could walk all the way around those as part of your office space when we talk about a side core The core, as in the name, is off to the side of the building and everything is sort of in front of you. So each floor plate's got its challenges. It's not about one better than the other. It's about kind of a bit of a compromise, I imagine, on efficiencies versus natural light and layout and kind of working with both of those. And Sometimes I think as well, just having that visual, because like it's really easy to sort of say what you want, list everything you want, but then sort of seeing how it looks in the space. Mm -hmm. I think there's always a clear winner like based on that. And, you know, if you can fit in a few extra wants in a space and it works out well and it, you know, works within like the budget and everything for the client, then I think you've definitely got like clear winners there that just sort of have that flow to the space. Yeah, fantastic. So it sounds like that initial ghost test fit gives you a true north to measure the different options against because it can get lost a little bit in the minutiae of the discrepancies of floor plates and buildings. It can get a little bit confusing. So you've got that one true north space to keep reviewing assess each asset against that brief i think what it really does as well is it allows you guys to not hold the client accountable but say well listen jill or john you told us that this was important to you when we did this briefing session is that still the case because we're not achieving that in this particular layout but we've got some ideas of how we can so it kind of helps to keep those expectations on track as well i find cecile so we've got a ghost fit brilliant we've got our three shortlisted buildings we might now be down to our preferred option what's the next steps we've got a test fit plan and we've got a costing budget 
How do we then work through develop design finishes? How does that all work? Yeah, so I think just quickly, another element that we did forget to mention earlier that we do like to do is a bit of a workplace strategy piece. So this can um, be in the form of surveys, a lot of other different medias, and it's a good way to get staff involved and make them feel like they've been heard. And this also can help to dictate a lot of that brief and also form a lot of that framework when we are tossing up between different buildings and floor plates. But next steps on from the shortlisted buildings and the cost plans would be developing the design further. So this stage is where we look to sit down. We want to work out how we want the space to feel. What are your branding colours? What are your values? How are we integrating these into the space in a visual way, in a tactile way? And this is where we also develop the design in terms of 3D renders. So these are 3D images that help showcase how the space is going to look and we also start putting together how the furniture is going to look, how your walls are going to look, what floor finishes we're going to use. So that's really the design development phase starts to kick in there. The fun stuff as we call it (laughs) in the the industry. Yes, the French wash, that's where that comes in. And how does that mean go out? Would we host that in our office? Have we got that capability? How would we usually present that to a client, Meeks? We would love to host that meeting in our office. (laughs) We have a massive design library. We have everything on hand. We have wine, a beer tap. Snacks. um, Golf simulator. A lot lot of perks. Um, It's a really fun process. So I encourage people to spend a bit of time and work through those details. It doesn't have to be an onerous process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... And that's something you guys do really well is understand how involved or not the client wants to be. If it's a set and forget, then we've absolutely got the capability to just crack on with it. We know the brief and we will just take the steering wheel. But touching on your point as well, Cecile, getting other staff members involved, if more people want to have a stay, a say, a stay, you can stay once you've signed the lease. (laughs) You want to have a say, it can be a real collaboration as well. And that's what I like about what we do. That's quite an engaging process. And It's important, I feel, because more often than not, what we've seen in the last two years is the office space is almost becoming a catalyst or a driver to get that culture piece going again. And a lot of our clients are really using it to motivate staff, create a bit more purpose. There needs to be some internal processes done there as well, but the office space more often than not can provide a really great reset, which is good. Just going back to the finishes, Megan, How do we make sure that we're keeping up with current trends and what's out there and what the latest, I suppose, materials are? All three of us live and breathe design, so I can guarantee we are fully invested. Oh, fantastic. Good, good. Tick Um, that off. We look at um, magazines every day, Instagram, every, you know, out in real, real life, as Tori mentioned, she's walking to work. We are looking around us. We absorb design, design details, trends, but it also has to be applicable to our clients. Yeah. And there's also, you guys meet very regularly with suppliers, Cecile. So when you've got new trends coming in, they will typically come into the office and what are they talking to you about? Are they new products? Are there efficiency benefits with those products? What's that process like? 
Yeah, Dan. So we often get suppliers regularly into our office. We probably see a handful um, within a given week or fortnight. Um, and we're always getting them in as they have new ranges um, that are coming out, as their sustainability piece starts to develop, which we're seeing a lot more now. We always get them into our office. As well as that, we do like to do regular showroom visits as well. So we can get out there, see furniture, sit in furniture, touch fabric. So yeah, there's a whole range of things we do to keep up with the latest trends and latest ranges out from our suppliers. Fantastic. So we're nearly there. We've nearly designed our bespoke and delivered our bespoke office space. We've got a ghost fit. We've got our test fit on the preferred option. We've got our finishes. We've got our color palettes. We've got our materials and our furniture. We're ready to go. What are the next steps? Is it construction drawings? How does that work? What's the time process like for that? So once we've worked through the finalised brief, locked in that concept plan, we're starting to develop that plan. We've locked in our cost plan, which will generally entail some value engineering Yes. so that we're ensuring we're meeting the budget. We might touch on costings at the end if we get time. (laughs) So from there, we develop our set of construction drawings. So this is where we fine-tune all the detail, generally about a sort of 10 to 30 pager even, and we develop our floor plans, our joinery items, all of our decided on finishes, as well as furniture, fixtures, um, kitchen taps, sinks, and all that fun stuff. Fantastic. Brilliant. And Tori, just to summarize that last piece we've gone through, what are the absolute must-haves from our clients in their office space? I definitely think natural light plays like a big role in that. Sort of really helps with that sort of wellness and like um, mindfulness sort of environment that we're wanting to sort of bring to the space. We've got multi-use spaces that can maybe be an office one day but then can convert to a meeting room which really helps with that sort of hybrid sort of workspace that you know we're sort of really trying to achieve at the moment we have we've got I think a variety of work settings is really important so it's no longer about just your offering staff a fixed static desk it's all about offering collaboration zones offering quiet zones offering your larger meeting rooms that might be more client facing but also offering your smaller back of house focus or phone rooms and I think creating that variety for staff is really important especially if you're wanting to draw them back into the office and that ties in again to those tech enabled spaces doesn't yeah. it and tech has really allowed those spaces to come to life and it's given us that variety especially with like your breakouts and your kitchen spaces mm-hmm. the ability to convert that to a town hall which is like awesome for those clients that have maybe interstate staff that come in maybe once a month and they all collect like collate together and come for this big sort of like event i think that really sort of shows how technology and a really well designed functional space can sort of tie together to also heighten that sort of culture but also work with the ability to sort of bring everyone together absolutely and megan i do want to touch on value engineering because it is very topical we all know that construction costs labor materials has gone up One of the things I love about us is our transparency and how we go through that journey with the client. Could you give us an example of where the scope of what a client would require in their space hasn't really aligned with their budget and Mm -hmm. our initial cost plan has come in over budget? Yeah. How would we, where would we start in the value engineering process? 
I think it's important to note our cost plan is fully itemised, so there's transparency there where the costs are going. Mm -hmm. So I think once clients understand that, it makes the process really easy. So a lot of the costs we cannot change, they are due to the services. So, for example, the fire, the mechanical, so the air conditioning. Certification, certification things, the must-haves, yeah. We can't avoid those costs. Sure. Um, the things that we can control are clever, clever ways. So, joinery, we can substitute for furniture. It might look the same. It's half the cost. Um, it serves the same function as well. Absolutely. Mm. Another great example, we had a client recently who requested three large meeting rooms. That's obviously got an associated cost for the built environment, the air conditioning, to service a number of people that sit in those rooms. Sure. Um, we were able to reduce that to just one large boardroom. And then by making multi-purpose areas, so for example, the breakout, um, making that clever to facilitate smaller meetings, mm. um, having appropriate acoustic you know, services for the space means that we can have multi-use and cut down on built environment costs. That's a great point. And because we understand that brief so intimately, we can assess, hey, it might be great to have those three rooms, but it's probably surplus to your requirement. And there's other ways that we could give it the same function without that associated cost as well. And we also work with tech companies that provide us you may not know exactly what you need. And mm. I think a lot of our clients also have an idea in mind of what they need. But through these companies that we partner with, we're able to sort of create like a sensor device that they put in each meeting room, which means the client can see visually through data, oh, I actually don't need these many rooms because this six-person meeting room isn't being used as much as these four-people meeting rooms. Yeah, so then that comes into account where it's like, okay, well, we're building all these like larger, larger meeting rooms, but they're not being used. What could we use that space for? Or can we change it to quiet rooms or quiet zones? Or how can we best like use that? Fantastic. In summary, team, we are going to go to our quick fire question section. I think that rhymes. Brilliant. Megan, my team love working from home. How can I use the office space to engage them? I think that's a culture piece. Um, Sorry, pause. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Quick five questions and over. <laughs> I, I, I'll start with you, Seth, because I, I stopped yeah, on the I order there. Like, Sorry. And I, I was like, am I now not doing that? I can't remember yeah, who was doing that. Like, yeah. Like, okay. Okay, cool. Let's see how I go. Thought about it. <laughs> Audience, it's time for quick, quick choir. We're not going to sing. We're doing quick fire questions. <laughs> Oh, Gil will tell Sorry, you. Sorry, I don't This is usually a seamless <laughs> podcast process, isn't it? It's more pressure when it's your own team. The stone pot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't be nervy, Pooh. <clears throat> Listeners, it's now time for a couple of quick fire questions. In summary, Cecile, I'm a client. How much space do I need? now that I have an agile workforce? Well, Dan, I think it's firstly important to establish how many people we're looking to accommodate within your workplace environment, as well as how often they are going to be in, what the schedule is going to look like, if you are going to have that hybrid model in place. Um, and then I also think it's important to 
work out what types of meetings and work is going to take place in the office space because this will help dictate the styles and sizes of meeting rooms required as well as work settings required. So if it's going to be more of a collaborative approach to working in the office and more of the solo work done at home, well then that would indicate to us that we need to look to incorporate a lot of group and collaborative settings, for example. Fantastic. And Megan, my team love working from home. How can I use the office space to engage them? There are so many benefits working within an office. I think the amount of information happening around you in an open plan setting, you just can't achieve at home in Mm. isolation. I think also the staff development, collaboration, the friendships that are formed, you don't, you miss out on that at home in isolation as well. So I think it's about providing functionality in the office. So those quiet zones where you can sneak away, get some focus work done, but also creating a backdrop that enhances those social interactions. A great breakout is always an easy win. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Stocked bar fridge and beer font. Yeah, that's the second reference to beer that we've had on the podcast. (laughs) We do do work as well, people. (laughs) Fantastic. Tori, as a management team, we're quite traditional in our thinking. However, we still want to accommodate the wider cohort. How can we make sure that we can cater to both groups? I think that comes back to, at the beginning, making your staff feel like they're a part of the process in a controlled manner. So sort of doing that sort of survey that gives them the ability to sort of speak their opinions and voice what they're feeling like. But I also think when it comes back to that sort of blend of traditional and modern, having, you know, fixed work points, having an option of that, having an option of hot desk so people can sort of choose to sit. You know, you've always got that one person in the office that their desk is their desk. I do not want my stuff moved. Um, so I think giving that option, having hot desks, but also having like a, a variety of sort of collaborative spots maybe positioned in between the desks. Mm-hmm. It sort of gives you the ability to sort of turn around and go and sit together for a little casual meeting, which I think doesn't really hurt anybody because it's a bit of a break from your desk as well. So you're still doing work, but you're able to sort of collaborate in a different environment. I especially think that works well for, I guess, engineers or people that are doing drafting. But I just think in general, like, it's just a good way to sort of break out of that traditional mould in a sort of, you know, an easier sort of way without sort of being too over the top. Sure, dipping the toe as opposed to just diving straight in. Brilliant. And then, Tori, we've spoken about the last two years and the impacts that COVID has had on workplace design. What are some things that you've seen or that you're predicting you may see that's going to impact the next two to five years? We've had a client that focuses solely on working in the metaverse. So the metaverse is something very new to us, but also we've done a lot of research on it for this particular job. And I think it's sort of interesting to sort of create this sort of blend of the metaverse slash the physical space slash working online uh, and creating that sort of flow. So for this particular client, they were really eager on working as a group, as a team on the metaverse. And that meant having a lot of like tech touch points where even if you were working in the office, you could still see what was going on. So you didn't feel disconnected from Mm. what was happening online. But I also think that it meant creating maybe a fixed showroom for them so they could bring people through and display that physical, tangible touch point of their product, but then still work behind the scenes together on the metaverse. Fantastic. That sounds very exciting. It works for those sort of clients that have that 
interstate sort of work. And I think a lot of people are branching out, like instead of just having people that are from Australia or just having people from one state, they are branching to hiring people that are overseas as well to join their workforce. Mm. And it means they can have online events. So I don't know, there's like different platforms out there that work, but you can have online events, have a social Friday, but you're all sort of at home, but you're still connecting together at this one sort of online point to create that sort of staff engagement. And I guess that sort of culture sense yeah. but online. So I think it's really cool to see how that can progress in the future. It's quite interesting, isn't it? And it is about that engagement and purpose because a lot of the larger clientele that we deal with, their view to Teams meetings and being in the physical space is almost if one's in, we're all in, but if one's mm. on Teams, then we're all on Teams. So it's about a bit of a quality on people's experience. I suppose mm. that sort of encompasses all of that as well. And it definitely works if you've got staff that are in other states or other yeah, countries. They because, still feel engaged with the yeah, culture. Yeah, because it's the, easier yeah. to sort of feel like you're not a part of it if, say, everyone in Brisbane is having an event and you're in San Diego chilling by yourself in your in your home room. So I think it's really nice to sort of like bring everybody together in a different way that's quite new to what's going on in the world. And I think that's really exciting to see how that can develop. Yeah, definitely. And then I suppose the role of the physical office space in that scenario is almost a centre point, a hub, that brings people together for that, for those tangible things that you may not necessarily get online. And then people can then again go off for their focus work and and come back as they need to. Exactly. And definitely is like a touch point for me, the client, to come and see their product or experience their service, which I may not experience online or I may need to see something like face-to-face that I think that's a good sort of showroomy touch point for people to sort of see. Ladies, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time today and for humoring me. I don't have a design (laughs) brain, so I appreciate it. And I think it's given the listeners a really good understanding of the design process because it can be a little bit daunting. I think it's really great to peel it back. It's a step-by-step approach and we can hold their hand the whole way. Thank you very much, listeners. We will chat to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, boys. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, if you've got any questions about any of the topics or you'd like to join us on one of the podcasts, please contact us via talk at growthaustralia.com.au. See you next time.